You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Seeky Excellence Podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, as many of you know, Emily and I bought a house uh, six or so months ago. And one of the main things I remember from our home buying experience and journey was our first meeting with our home lender. And we walked out, and Emily was like, I love that guy. And I was like, I love that guy. <laughs> and, and shortly after, followed each other on social media and started seeing the content you were putting out. And I was like, man, I need to do a podcast with Ryan. Yeah, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. So, Ryan, it's great to have you here. I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. My first podcast, so. Really? Yeah, we're, we're going to see how this goes. That's Hopefully cool. you want to have me back. If not, that's okay, too. That is my hope and intention as well. <laughs> I guess I should say thanks for having me here since we're here in the Zenith Home Loan Studio. Yes, this is actually the first time that we're using the studio, too. So, yeah, great to try that out with you. My, I mean, you obviously you're a pro at this so yeah well i mean i do a very janky ghetto setup yeah and so i'm glad you know we like huddle around my kitchen table with two <laughs> two microphones and a this, is, this is the intro into you getting your setup. yeah yeah you're, you're painting the the vision you yes. know you're giving me the dream right now exactly and, yes and someday if we can have something like this then we'll definitely have you back and we'll have seeky excellence perfect uh, you know exactly we'll the whole setup. exactly yeah. i love it <laughs> that's the dream yeah well first man it'd be great to just kind of do an introduction of mm-hmm. who you are your life story and some of that background for, for the I listeners. Um, so like Nathan said here, I was lucky enough to be able to be introduced to you guys by a mutual friend and I mean, family friend of you guys. Yeah. And um, and so, of course, that's how we met. But the way I got here is um, it's, it's a funny path. I think everybody enters the mortgage industry a little bit differently. Like no one gets out of high school and they're like, man, I would love to be a mortgage lender. That's yeah, like, it was not on my list of yeah, things I'm, that you can I'm do. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. like, so I um, I grew up for the first half of my life in California. Okay. Moved back to Colorado. Parents split up, um, and at that point was was kind of searching for something to just call home in life, and uh, was lucky to to get introduced to a couple friends that became family and. They guided me into uh, really who I am today, and they luckily were able to help get me into CSU, went to CSU. Yeah. Luckily, I grew up here in Colorado, and so in Highlands Ranch, but go Rams, CSU. Um, Let's <laughs> and so I was, so I went to college not knowing what I wanted to do. They're like, go get a, go get a liberal arts degree. Like, oh, that's a good idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. Um, and I got a minor in business administration, so basically okay. the most... Um, you know, the biggest, like the broadest degree that you could have in life. Yeah. And I went and I used that degree perfectly and became a branch manager in enterprise rent a car. Really? Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So, um, I was, I became a branch manager, enterprise rent a car. Like out of college, out of college. I, I worked my way up, you know, you yeah. start as a management trainee, you're cleaning cars and suits. Really fun. Yeah. Um, long days. That sounds fun. Yeah. Super fun. Your tie gets sucked into the hose of... <laughs> of the of the uh vacuum um so i learned a lot and was lucky enough my brother-in-law works for zenith oh okay. and i was like man you're doing really well and you really like what you're doing and you already like, married at this point no okay so we're dating and i was just i was commuting down to colorado springs and in um just in our relationship had voiced some i want to move just just careers and i think i've got a just 
a higher calling for me at the end of the day. And it yeah. turns out I love helping people. So um, I asked my father-in-law to marry my now wife and literally without even breaking a sweat, he goes, okay, great. Now you can ask Chris for a job. So, <laughs> really? Like, so that's how I've landed in wow. mortgage. Yeah. So interesting. I texted Chris and was like, hey, so I asked your sister to marry me and your dad said, I can also ask you for a job now. So, can <laughs> so I you got some big president? questions to ask the family. Right, exactly. And he's like, oh, dude, we'd love to have you. Let's do it. So I had a coffee with our president. Wow. And then, let's see, that was over three and a half years ago at this point now. Dang. And now here we are. And I'm lucky enough to be talking to guys like you. That's cool, man. Yeah. I love it. That's so awesome. And I think, you know, like you said, it, it is really interesting how when you ask young kids and even up through like high school, what do you want to be when yeah. you grow up? It's so limited, you know, which is why I think you have like career days and things like that, but they still, right. you, it's still, you're so short, you know, on the, the wide variety of different things you could do right. when you grow up and, yeah. and the things you could find yourself loving. Right. Exactly. Like I wanted to be a pilot for my really? whole life. I had a huge dream to go to the Air Force Academy become a pilot and that's what I wanted to do and then someone had told me that one day that I was too short to be a fighter pilot so ended that dream pretty, really pretty I didn't know that there was a height requirement there is yeah I guess that unfortunately for me and I think there's also uh <laughs> yeah the vision thing the vision thing really killed me too so yeah you know now I'm just gonna probably hopefully fly planes for fun one day <laughs> that's awesome yeah but you can buy your own plane then you can that would be fun then go fly around like toy yeah plane. <laughs> unfortunately my wife hates planes so we're gonna have really? to work through that yeah. Emily also does not like flying very much and it is always entertaining for me because I could not yeah. be calmer in the midst of turbulation, and she is just tripping. Right, exactly. It's like holding hands, Legit. sweaty hands. We're like <laughs> yeah. doing a lot of this. I'm like, it's gonna just be okay. super, super yeah. stressed. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah. good, man. Well, I'm excited. You know, I've wanted to talk to you about kind of the home buying process, but like we talked about before, I'm kind of going in between kind of like a, a macroeconomics kind of thing that I've been wanting to do for a while, talking yep. about capitalism versus socialism, um, and then transitioning more into personal finance. So, mm-hmm. first, would love to kind of go just kind of that bigger picture of what you think about, uh, obviously I know you identify more with socialism. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. So just for all of you that are out there, I'm definitely a socialist. That's we a really funny thing share. though. Yeah. Um, uh, just like commenting on that. I remember when you first follow this back, it was like one of those things on social media, whenever we meet somebody and we haven't like talked anything about faith or politics yeah, or anything. Right. And then they follow you back and it's like, well, I guess we're about to find out. We're going to find out real quick. <laughs> And luckily, I, I very much relate to all the stuff you post. Yeah, um, yeah we have some funny DMs that roll we back do. and forth. We do, indeed, yeah. man. It's yeah. so fun. But it's hilarious because you're like, well, I guess in, in two months, I'll know where, the, where this person right. stands. Cause right, right, exactly. Be or they'll be like responding to stuff like, dude, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so true. So anyways, yeah, would love to go back and just kind of talk kind of broader picture of where you kind of see things are at in, in finance this year. Obviously, yeah. I think a lot of people are nervous, worried, um, everything's down currently, you know, if you're looking at your investment right. accounts and things like that, it's kind of mm-hmm. low. Um, you've seen a lot of red, you've been seeing a lot of red right. for the last year and a half. And right. so what do you, what's your kind of perspective on that? And then we'll kind of transition that into how you see kind of the housing market. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's, it's easy to get fearful. And the reason is because we get a lot of our news from the media. Yeah. Right. And they, it's, it's not that they digest any of the information. They just want to get clicks. So they spit out, Oh, stock markets down or Oh, mortgage applications are down and there's no, and there's no actual, um, there's no, there's no real, um, I would say research to behind, to the, to the reasoning, right. Or like, oh, wow, maybe there's some opportunity here. They just create fear. Right. And that's where we all get to. And I think we have to retrain our minds as investors and as consumers of, hmm, maybe there's some opportunity here. Yeah. Because the, 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 the wealthy, when they see a recession, when they see economic downturn, that's where they're like, how can I create opportunity for more market share? And how can I create opportunity for investments? Yeah. Right. And we don't, and as a consumer, you're not, you're going to, you may understand that later on, but that's going to be hindsight. Yeah. Right. The, the opportunity we saw in the fall for when it did have a, the housing market did slightly drop. Sure. There was, there was some investors that saw that. They went in, they bought house price, they bought houses at interest rates that were high, but guess what? They understood that there was opportunity in getting a house below this price. Yeah. And they knew that rates were gonna come down and they knew that they're gonna refinance soon. Right. But it's the people that looked at the media that said, Oh, we're 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 headed towards a housing crash. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like if you become fearful, that's what's gonna overtake your view. You're gonna see you're basically looking through 
a fog glass. Like it's yeah. just, it's like fear and there's nothing. I can't see that opportunity out there when there's fear in front Absolutely. of me. Absolutely. Right. Like if you guys came to me and you were completely fearful of the process and I'm showing you this amazing opportunity to go buy a house, you'd go home and be like, I'm still scared and I don't want to buy a house. Right. Right. But we saw and we showed you, okay, how can we make this feasible? What's it going to look like in a year? How can we turn your place into a rental? And there was so much opportunity that was created through that. But some people, unfortunately, couldn't see through just what's right in front of them. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's two things two things to that that often get in the way for people. One is, and this kind of takes us back to kind of the, the capitalism versus socialism thing I want to talk about. And so just to give you some more context on my view on that, I think it's been my belief, and I've kind of been evaluating, especially over the last month or so, how much kind of socialistic ideas have entered the church, mm-hmm. especially a lot of the Catholic people I've been around recently. Right. Um, but I know, you know, a lot of non-denominational or yeah. different Protestants as well. And then just kind of Americans at large, right? Like we kind of have this approach that like making profit or seizing opportunities to make money, especially when it seems like things are bad for other people, right. like feels wrong, right? right? And so I think that's that's one of the first things that that we have to address Um, And then the second one, I think, and we can kind of go deeper into both of these, but the second one then you have is when you read uh, finance books, right? If you're reading, whether it's Dave Ramsey, Tony Robbins, like any type of investing book, um, they always talk about that, right? Warren Buffett talks about it all the time. When everybody's scared, you should be excited. When people Mm -hmm. are excited, you should be scared. Yeah. What's that Warren Buffett quote? Like, I think it's basically that, Yeah. right? But it's like, it's, yeah, I think when they're greedy... When they're greedy, be fearful, or yep. when they're being fearful, be greedy, or something along exactly. those lines, right? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah. But it's hard once things are actually bad, and you're like, no, it's going to keep going down, right? It's, it's right. almost impossible right. to be to honor that, right? It's hard it's to It's easy see. to do that when things are going up, you know, mm-hmm. when you're living in the, the Trump stock market, and you're just like, this right. is dope, like, keep pouring money into it. Right. And then when things start to get red, it, it's amazing. I have friends and family that are like, no, but everything's bad now. Like, I have to stop investing. Like, my money's down. It's like, yeah, but this is... Right. Remember everything we talked about when things were good? Right. This is the opportunity for that. And guess what? I think the thing is, is that a lot of the times we're micro-focused. Yeah. Meaning what's going to happen tomorrow? What's yep. going to happen this next month? Not like, hey, let me look at the trend over a span of time. 100%. And because when you go back, and that's what I was doing these past six months, is, is telling with clients, like, don't be so today focused. Like, right. let's let's see how we can look at this from a longer span of time. And that's where we look at equity in a house over yeah. the last five or 10 years, right? Or in the stock market, it's always going to go down, but over the long term, it goes up, right? But it will go down. Exactly. It will go down in short term periods when we hit recessions. That's just the inevitability of the market. And yeah. you're not going to be able to time it for the most part. And I'll tell you one thing, you're probably not going to want to pull that money out when you're down too. So ride that <laughs> right. wave, ride that wave. And <laughs> yeah, in 20 you years, well. you'll be up. I guarantee it. Yeah. That's yeah. the time, but it's so painful to do that. You know, it is, and it's really hard, but that's when you have to have, I think that's where, you know, some of the mental toughness and things that I talk about too, really play into your finances where Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to commit to the plan and stick to the plan and take the emotions out of it. And just, I tell, I tell Emily sometimes she'll like want to check things. I'm like, just don't even, let's not even check. Right. Like don't even look at it. Right. I I know that it's bad. Are you going to make a decision if you check it? Like, is this, is this (laughs) going to change the process? Because if so, maybe let's do that. But otherwise... Let's just stick to the plan and go from there. Yeah, just leave it. 100%. Yeah. And then for the other side, yeah. you know, kind of talking about the capitalistic versus socialistic mindset. Yeah. How do you, uh, and I don't want to speak for you, you can explain where you kind of sure. define yourself faith-wise. Sure. But what is your, kind of your perspective? Have you had any people who think that you might be too focused on money or, or people who think that making profits are bad? Um, do you have any type of response to that or have you not really encountered no, that before? luckily I haven't gotten around... Maybe that's just because I choose not to be around those people. That's probably the biggest thing, or just even like talk to people like that. Um, I just, I, and I'm, I'm one to like, I have my opinions. I like to speak them, but I don't, I don't necessarily voice my, my uh, disagreements with people as much. Yeah. A lot of the times I find it just doesn't like, they don't like to hear what I have to say and I don't, and they're not going to change their opinion about what they've got either. So sometimes it's just, for me to kind of answer your question, I don't I don't get a lot of that in my life because I focus on being with people like you who have great views about the way that I like to live my life too. Sure. Right. Like, and I, I think that's why we that's why we mesh so well together because we have similar views. You, I appreciate the view that you bring. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, I think that's the biggest piece is I don't I 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not huge on hanging out with socialists for the most part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Socialists. Yeah, no, I think, and it's interesting, though, because there's been an increase, I feel like, of people who would definitely not identify themselves as socialists right. that are still kind of in this kind of, like, weariness about it. Or right. the other thing that I see with a lot of people, and I don't know what your, like, growing up financial background was. Yeah. I always see, like, we weren't poor growing up, but yeah. I was kind of, like, that lower middle class where sure. they fought a lot about money. It was always stressful. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't abundant. and. Um, what made it much worse is there was like no planning around it, right? right. Like my parents just kind of like did whatever they did. Um, and and so for me, like I feel like I have a deeper understanding than a lot, some of my friends and people I've known. And even Emily and I have talked about this on the podcast and have debated this uh, at length <laughs> in our relationship, especially while dating. Um, but it's just like understanding that you have to be intentional about it, right? It's just like mm-hmm. any aspect of your life. I always think right. finances and I think your fitness and health are such great analogies for your spiritual life, for your mental excellence, for your relationships, where it's like it's the things you do now, right? The unseen things that yep. seem stupid or, you know, it's only $200 a month or whatever it might be that right. you're investing. But that over time, right, you have that compound effect. There's no better example than finances. A hundred percent. And I think to your point of being intentional with everything you do in your life, either you're going to have a plan for yourself Mm -hmm. or you're going to fall into somebody else's plan. Right. Right. And so what do you want to do? Yeah. Right. I think that's, to your point, the capitalist versus the socialism side of things. It's like, let's go share everything and we'll just kind of meander around and everyone's going to be hunky-dory, happy, happy. Right. But it takes almost the intentionality and the drive. And that's what makes this this country great yeah. about that side of things. And so, and and now that you say, has anybody talked to you about, about maybe the things I do for profit? It's funny because my wife early on, I was like, we're going to keep this house as a rental and we're going to go buy a new house. And she's like, Ryan, doesn't that go against like everything that you do to help get people into homes? Like, well, not really. Like that's a scarcity mindset of like my house is not oh, like somebody could buy your yeah, house. Yeah, someone could buy yeah, my house, right? So, I, so there's the that like, oh, I could create, I could yeah. help them, right? Like, let me sell it to them below market value because that's what should happen. Right? Yeah. Like, that helps them yeah. at the end Be of the day. Be a good godly man. Right. Just give it to someone. Right, exactly. There's right. plenty of homeless endeavor. Right. I don't know if you've been downtown in a while. <laughs> no, I haven't, unfortunately. I mean, luckily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and so that's, and so I've had to kind of talk to her about that. I mean, she's Catholic, so she's like, it's very much we share the same views yeah. for most things, but I've had to, because her parents just were like, put money in your 401k and work a good job and you'll be, yeah, there's no you'll be other happy, routes. right? And yeah. I was like, babe, you don't understand, like, real estate is the massive wealth creator in this country that people use to set themselves up for financial freedom and generational wealth, Yeah, right? Like, I'm, unfortunately, like, like you, I came from kind of a lower middle class where my parents didn't own real estate, you know, outside of the house we lived in. And yeah. I know I'm not going to get inherited money and that's something that I think I want to change right. for the future <laughs> yeah, for for with sure. my kids. And that's one of the ways I'm going to do that yeah. is via real estate because it's such a massive wealth creator. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's always unfortunately going to be a need for renters. Right. And that's the situation. Like yeah. I wish everybody could own a home, but that's, just not the reality yeah, of the situation. Yeah, and I mean, that would be like such a utopia to think that like every kid moving out of their parents' house at 18 is going to buy a house, you know, right. or have money to buy a house. Like right. there would always be a place for people that are going to rent, right? And some mm-hmm. people just like to, right? Some people don't want to be tied down to a 100%. mortgage or have, uh, you know, so it's more of like a freedom thing too. But right. I think so much of that too just hits on like those hidden themes that are kind of comparing capitalism and socialism mm-hmm. of just... In, cap- in the capitalistic society, when you're talking about wanting to have freedom, right, this kind of freedom where it's like, yeah, I don't I don't want to pay into a social a safety net for me in the future. I'd rather just have my money now. Right. And then if I fail, it's on me, right? Like 100%. I win or lose. Exactly. But you have to be intentional with that, right? You have 100%. to take that. And that's why I think a lot of people are like, uh, I take the 50% standard of living. And, and it's sold as fifty percent. It's really like fifteen percent standard of living, so. yeah, right? Right. Um, over shooting for that eighty, ninety, a hundred, uh, that would take a lot more effort. Because well, there's, there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. Exactly. Right. And like, and unfortunately, people want to be handed something yeah. at the end of the day. I remember even when we were buying the house, and you and I, we had talked a few times and made kind of the shift to try to do the rental property and the house and stuff, and um, just talking to several people. Just like anything in life, right? You get a bunch of naysayers who you start to share with friends or whatever. Everyone's got an opinion, right? Have you said, <laughs> speaking of which, have you told anybody your name for your son yet? 
No. Yeah, oh, because right, there's the opinions that will start rolling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. we told, like, close family that was yeah, it. exactly. It was one of the best tips we got because people were like, you'll get a lot of unsolicited feedback right. if you do it before right. you actually name them. Yeah. And so they were like, just wait on it. Exactly. Yeah. But that's hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, so many people give negative feedback. And one thing that was kind of the theme of all the stories was, like, oh, I had a brother or a cousin or a friend who tried to do, you know, keep their house like you did as a rental property. But it just was such a headache, and they'd do this, they'd do that. And I was like, well, I don't, I think maybe the difference between me and them is like, I don't think it's going to be easy. You Correct. know, <laughs> like I'm prepared Correct. for this to be right. extremely difficult. It's been challenging so far since we right. bought the house, right? Like, it's like when you buy it, you're going to have issues. You're going to find things you didn't know about. Right. The inspector's going to miss things. And it's like, yeah, if you go into it expecting that to happen, and that's part of like the, the military planning, right? We always say like, Every plan kind of goes to hell after <laughs> you receive contact. Right. It's like everything's just up in the air after that. You make you make a plan and God laughs at you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And you spend hours or days right. or years planning all this stuff, and it's like it could be yeah. a mess. But the difference is I know my goal and where I'm trying to get mm-hmm. to so I can change and have – and the other thing that I feel like Emily really appreciated as I started like planning some of the stuff out was yeah. I would show her in all these Excel files and stuff I would make is like – Here's the backup plans. Here's the different options that we could do. Right. Here's kind of our timeline of how we can make this work, right. you know, and talking, staying in touch with you, obviously doing my own study and learning and speaking with our real estate agent. And that's the the work and stuff that I was putting in. I'm like, I know that most people aren't willing to do this. 100%. Right. And when you put it visually in front of yourselves, it becomes a lot easier to see the finish line. Yeah. Right. And I think to your point about people thinking that investing is easy it's because they think, okay, great, someone's just going to pay my mortgage, nothing's going to go wrong, right? But you have to think about it from a business perspective. You're yeah. starting up a real estate business, yep. right? And you exactly. actually should. You should start an LLC. You should put it right. in your LLC, and you should plan for 10% expenses or whatever you think the expenses are going to be on that property, right? Right. And when you have that in mind and you're intentional with that and things come up, you're like, great, this is just part of it. Yeah, because I guarantee you, what you're gonna love here in 20 or 30 years is that asset, that 1.3 million dollar asset that's right. paid for. Yep, great, right? Because yeah. there's some hassle along the way. That's that is what it is. But yeah, but when you are like you and you put everything on an Excel spreadsheet and you know and it's and people are actually planning that stuff out, it becomes a lot easier to deal with anything that might come up. Right, and yeah. giving yourself the the actual picture to look at, right? Like I always tell people when I'm trying to convince them of doing any type of like personal investing. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing the government's ever done is the compound interest calculator that's like on investor.gov. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> it's one of like three things I give them credit for. Yeah. Like ending slavery, that calculator, and there's probably a third thing that I just can't think of at the yeah. time. But um, one thing that's great about that is you can put in like, oh, I put in X dollars a month. This is kind of my starting principle. Mm-hmm. And then over 30 years, compound me at 10% plus or minus 3%. And it'll show you. And when people see that 30, 40, 50 years, it's incredible. It's you know? The difference between micro and macro, like we're talking <laughs> exactly. about, right? And that's what I had to do to convince Emily, basically. Yeah. It's like, look, but look what this could be in 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, it's, it's incredible. But yeah, so, so with that, you know, kind of going back to that mindset, I think one thing that we kind of mentioned earlier is people feeling uh, that it's inappropriate or just wrong to try to like, take advantage of, of bad times. Right. right? Um, and I think that I'm sure that it's difficult for you at times to get rid of, I don't, I don't think that there's a huge kind of stigma around mortgage lending, but sometimes when you are lending or you're encouraged people to lend, when everybody thinks it's a bad time to buy a house, mm-hmm. that can be really difficult, right? Really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To not seem like the bad guy. Right. Because right? I think it's like to some people, um, and I, when I say some people, I mean the Instagram haters out there. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to my Instagram haters. Do you get a lot of... Yeah, I get a lot. Really? Yeah. Like, hey, look at this shark in a suit trying to like, really? like put money in his pocket. Yeah. And I and these are just like my my genuine thoughts about real estate. And I, right. I knew that the real estate market would That's stay wild. strong. I knew it would do well. Um, but it's hard to sometimes counteract what the media is showing out there because they've got great prevalence. Yeah. Right. They're going to be the first ones to pop up on your newsfeed on your iPhone. They're going to be the For first sure. one to pop up um, when you get on your computer, right? And so I'm over here talking about how the real estate market's going to go be great for the next few years. And then you have people like that that's trying to just basically hurt people's finances with a media headline because yeah. they're shelling out that information. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me, something that's kind of shifted over the last year, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of how, especially how COVID kind of impacted the housing market and, and what that did and what yeah. you kind of think that did in like the greater picture. But one thing that's been really interesting, kind of zoning in real quick on where we kind of currently are, 
and you know I'm a big, uh, big, bigger pockets guy. Oh yeah, and so they talk about this all the time. Yeah, but just this dichotomy that I've even tried to like sell people out of, right? Just convincing them as we bought our house. Because everybody looks and, and we bought like as interest rates were kind of rising, right? Right. right. Um, but we bought a house that appraised for higher than we bought it for, right? So you have that kind of give and take. But a lot of people right. aren't able to see. This is another thing. But I think not to hit on this the entire hour, but capitalism versus socialism is. And I heard uh, Dan Crenshaw. If you're familiar with him, I don't know Dan. So Representative Dan Crenshaw from Texas, okay, <clears throat> former Navy SEAL. He's like got the missing eye. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Wrote a big, great book called Fortitude. Okay. Um, and I think he has a second book coming out. But anyways, he talked about one time, he's like, one thing that, uh, and I've shared this before, but one thing that progressives are really bad about is being like, uh, we want drastic, radical change and we want it now mm-hmm. versus like, uh, he says, conservatives are more like, we want reasonable change in due time, mm-hmm. right? And I think that understanding, he really hit on that in his interview with Jordan Peterson where he was talking about the concept of trade-offs. And that's one thing that I think we're really bad at understanding. And I think socialism and progressivism are really tied up in like, Thinking that you can just have this one isolated really good thing and there's no down negative right. side effects, right? Right. And that's kind of what you have between home prices and interest rates, right? So you see interest rates going up and everybody thinks like, oh, no, like it was so such a good time to buy when interest rates were at 2 3%. Mm-hmm. But nobody could buy a house because everything was going for $150,000 over asking price. Right. And if you're in certain parts of the country, like here, you have all these people moving from California or more expensive places, mm-hmm. and then it's like you you have no chance to compete with them. Right. Then as interest rates rise, prices start to come down a little bit, and people were like, oh, interest rates are too high. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, so you just never think there's a good time. Right. You could always find a reason <laughs> you know I mean? why you shouldn't buy a home. You can always find a reason. Right. You know? There's so much to talk about. I could probably do a whole hour long podcast <laughs> yeah, on this. It. But you know, it's the COVID happened and the Fed, which they're probably the worst Fed board that I've we've ever seen. Yeah. They're so bad. They unfortunately they pumped so much liquidity into the market. Yeah. I mean, usually the stock market and interest rates are inversely related. So if the stock market's booming, or sorry, if the stock market if the stock market's doing well, they're usually in, in terms of um, the interest rates, the interest rates and the stock market, they're actually related in the way that if the stock market's booming, interest rates will be high. Okay. Right? Because interest rates, um, they're not tied they're not tied to the Fed. They're tied to mortgage backed securities, bonds. Mm-hmm. People take money out of bonds and into stocks. And if the stock market's dumping, they're taking money out of stocks into a more favorable bond. That's why we're seeing rates come back down right now. Right. Right. So what happened was, is the Fed was, were buying a ton of treasuries and bonds while the stock market during COVID was through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what they were artificially keeping rates low. Well, guess what? The perfect storm happened. There were <laughs> lots of people that wanted to buy a house. Rates were, yep. you know, three, let's call well, it People 3%. came back outside after right, the COVID yeah, lockdown. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is people had to sometimes to even see a house had to go under contract. They couldn't even like go into Just a to home. see one. Just to see one. Oh, it just didn't do like straight photos? Yeah, they couldn't even, they had to go under contract so they could enter the house. Like, I don't know. I mean, did you guys even go under contract more than once? Uh, No. No. Yeah. So they would have yeah. had to do what you did just we to made a few, see it. We made three offers, three or four yeah, offers. That's okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So, yes. Anyway, sorry, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent. Oh, you're good. But, um, do it. So that's what was keeping things, the interest rates super low. Stock market was high. Everybody's making money, like mortgages and money was cheap. So everything was just booming. And so of course, house prices followed suit. Yep. Right. And that's what unfortunately led to this 40% was basically 40% appreciation in two years. And so when the Fed stopped buying mortgage-backed securities and these treasuries, that's when rates started to creep up and then things started to slow down a little bit. And that was really at the beginning of last year and, and it finally happened into the summer. So of course what happened was, is like, Oh my gosh, we have so much equity. We're definitely, the market's definitely going to crash. What people don't understand too, is that like, no matter what people are going to buy houses, they have to live. Right. There's the inevitable of things happening. People moving out, people dying, people getting married, people getting divorced, people having kids, all of those yep. life events will keep people buying houses and the inventory right now is super low. So yeah, which is the other side of it, right? Which yeah. is the other side of it too, right? So demand's high, supply's low. So what happened this summer is rates rose dramatically because the Fed stopped buying mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. They also started increasing, uh, or inflation was super hot too, right? So that's really the main driver of interest rates when inflation's hot. 
rates will go up because inflation uh, erodes the value of a bond. Right. right. So the higher the higher inflation is, there basically a mortgage backed security has a fixed payment, right? A mortgage payment has a yep. fixed payment. So higher inflation means that investor is getting essentially less on that fixed payment. Yeah. So all of that all of that occurring, rates went up and then demand just dropped off. Right. And so everybody's like, Oh my gosh, we're gonna see housing crash. Well they just people are still gonna have to buy a house. Right. They're just gonna do it in six months, not yeah. right now. And so that's what we're seeing right at this moment mm-hmm. is people were like, okay, we put things off until the holidays. We're here for the beginning of the year. Rates are starting to come back down. That's great. And now we've still got this record low supply. And guess what happened this past weekend? I had a client that made an offer. They were one of 14 offers. They made an offer 100K over ask and they didn't get it. Really? Yeah. So that's back. <laughs> yeah. so that's back. Unfortunately. That's so crazy. Yeah. So I don't know how much you know about this, but... What do you know? Like the history of the Fed controlling interest rates—is that something mm-hmm. that has been around for two hundred years? Like, is that a hundred-year-old thing? And that's a good what are question. kind of the pros and cons of that? Well, and, the Fed is—I mean, it's here—they're here for monetary policy, right? They're here to essentially control, at the end of the day, inflation and the economy. And unfortunately, right now, our Fed—I don't know how far it goes back. I can—I can tell you based upon really like as far back as the '60s, kind of what they've done. Okay. Like in the general scheme of things, interest rates as a whole have decreased for the most part since then. Yeah, because I mean, the Carter years wasn't it like it was like eighteen percent? Yeah, yeah, twenty percent. Yeah, basically, it was up there for sure. But they they use that Fed funds rate to essentially make sure that the cost of our goods aren't going up too quick, which is what happened during COVID. Like mm-hmm. supply chain hurt. Like <clears throat> supply chain. The the Fed rate was basically at zero, and supply chain was so backed up that inflation rose super quickly. Right. So that's what created such a high inflation. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the interesting things too of <laughs> as the more that I read to get into some of the economic stuff is like I feel like so oftentimes the or oftentimes the government creates problems and then they're like, this is why we need more government to fix these problems. They're in a boom bust cycle right now. They are you know the reason I mean? <laughs> why we boomed and now they're the reason why we're busting. <laughs> right. It's crazy. I, I follow a guy yeah. that got the crystal ball award and he could be the fed chair today and do a better job than what they're doing. Yeah. But he forecasts things like six months in advance to what they're saying. Like when they're saying That's so inflation funny. is transitory, it wasn't here to stay. He's like, it's here to stay. Hopefully they realize it soon. Well, they realized it like six months too late. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was just, I mean, for a long time they were just denying it. Right. Exactly. Like, no, no, it just happened because of the supply chain. Well, yeah. like that doesn't like, it, it doesn't just go away overnight. <laughs> right. Like people are still going to pay for things and they need things. And yeah. so, uh, the Fed is just, they're really, they, I think they don't understand that the monetary policy or they haven't fully grasped this, at least that things take a while to actually um, take, take into effect. So what they put into place maybe four months ago is really taking into effect today. And so they're continuing to increase the Fed funds rate, even though they've just started to see inflation come back down. And really, they should probably like pause it right now. Yeah. Like, let's see what these next few months happen because I guarantee you inflation will continue to come down. But they're like, yeah, it's barely starting to come down, so we'll just continue to raise rates. And that's what's really putting us into a recession and probably deeper than what we need to be. Yeah. So, like, they'll just dig us out of this recession to, like, lower interest rates and everybody will start buying things again and then we'll have to do this cycle all over again. Over and, you know, and over again. Yeah, you know, every five, ten years it kind of just does that. Ebbs and flows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super interesting. So what you might not think that there's ever a bad time to buy a house. What do you think kind of in the, you know, the scheme of the market over, over several years, like, do you kind of see there's a, a best time and a worst time? Do you have a, do you think that it's best for higher interest rates, lower housing prices, or would you say higher house price, lower interest rate, that kind of thing? It's, I think as the overall sum, I saw what people did in the spring when they were paying hundred K over ask. And I, I can't in my heart of hearts say that's an amazing time to buy. Yeah. Because you're just, you're paying for an overinflated asset at a low rate, which is great, but rates always come back down. Right. Right. And so I think in a normal market, it's always a good time to buy, no matter what the rate is. Because for the most part, you're, you're, you're going to get a lower rate at some point over the general span of your loan for the next five or 10 years. Right. So to me, I think buying during a time where maybe rates are higher because you're going to get a really good deal on a property like you did yep. where you got something under the appraised value. Now you walked into equity, you've got a higher interest rate, but soon those rates are going to come back down and your monthly payment's going to be lower. And now you've got this amazing asset that you paid less than you probably could have paid for it 
as of today, right? right. Or even maybe yeah. a few months before that, honestly. Exactly. So I think I think for the most part, just don't buy when it's ridiculously hot because that's it's it's tough to it's tough to 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 really get you to a point where I agree with that. If your if your goal is maybe buy in three to five years, or, yeah. or, or I mean sell in three to five years, because right? I mean who knows? You may not have made enough money on that home to even make it make sense. So to, to right. answer your question, I think it depends upon the situation of each client too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's one thing that was really interesting, and, and you really walked us through that when we were buying. But I think I, I, I had this debate with so many people uh, right around the time we were buying that they're just like, yeah, the interest rates are going back up. But I'm like, between those two things, that's the only one that you can adjust after buying. Right. Correct? Like, if I buy right. a house at, at $400,000, I can't then come back to you and be like, no, give me a $350,000. Right, 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 exactly. Like, it's just, it, that's it locked that in. Way, unfortunately, right? right. And, and so I think, one is adjustable and can be refinanced and can be changed based mm-hmm. on your interest rate. And so it's like, why would I not want the higher one to be the one that can come down in 18 months or 24 months? Right. Right? Versus saying, yeah, let me lock in at this super high inflated price. I just I'd never understood it. It's tough. And I think the spring the spring market last year was probably the only time where I'd say maybe hold off. Before that it was it's always gone pretty flat, pretty stable, hasn't been a huge a lot of competition. And so to kind of talk about how your how your monthly payment will always be the highest payment that you'll ever have, right? So when you yeah. have right now this payment this payment is going to be the highest payment right. that you ever have moving forward, right? And so I think that's a big thing that we look at. But there was somebody, um, not my client, but a client of a realtor I work with, she bought during the spring last year. Unfortunately, things didn't work out with her partner. They had to get a divorce a year later. Well, she's mm. underwater and she had to foreclose. Mm, and really? so that's the thing that you see of like 08, 09, where you people hear about that. But it's because it was just kind of that blimp in time where she overpaid, market dropped a little bit from where she was, and then she didn't have enough equity because she put 5% down, right? Yeah. And so she had to foreclose, unfortunately. So Dang. that's kind of that like that like one percent of like let's talk about strategy and 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 just make sure this really does make sense, right? Because that's the one thing is is like I may tell somebody they're not ready to buy right now, right? Right? Like if you if I liquidate all of your assets in order for you to buy a house, I'm not doing my job right. Cause <laughs> right. God forbid that you've got a you've got an AC unit that goes out, you know, you can't pay for it. Yeah. Like what are we doing now at that point, right? Yeah. So it's just it's taking L's. Yeah, correct. <laughs> taking L's, and you're calling Massive me, and you're like, L's. Ryan, like, dude, you suck. <laughs> right, exactly. You are no longer my friend. <laughs> you are the right? worst. Yeah, you're off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I really wanted to be invited back. I love it. That's so funny, man. So yeah, can you explain a little bit just to find what a foreclosure is for people who? Yes. Know? Yeah. So basically, I mean, it's like at a worst the end of the case day, scenario. Yeah, it's worst right? case scenario. You're not you're not able to make your payments, and of course, the the your house is securitized or the loan is securitized by the house. So if you're not making payments on the loan, the bank will take over the home and foreclose on the home. They'll take back ownership and they'll sell the property, usually at a loss to at least get hopefully most of their money back on the loan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's that, there's one way. And then a short sale, hopefully never have to talk too much about this, but a short sale is where you get the bank's approval to sell the property for less than what you owe on it, which is usually very rare. Because of the mm-hmm. fact that this this that means that the property for whatever reason declined enough to where the mortgage that you have on it is actually more than what it's even worth, right? Which is and then yeah. do you leave that with debt? Uh, well, when you short sell, typically you just you end up not having to pay back that. Oh, it's kind of forgiven. Pretty yeah, I mean forgiven, but you're not able to buy a house for like seven years after that. Really? So that's the really tough part. Interesting. Yeah, you're like blacklisted. Yeah, pretty much. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, so on the personal side, when it comes to the best time to buy a house, what do you think? Like, do you have, do you kind of follow the, the Dave Ramsey kind of Ramsey steps to when you are ready to buy a house or what do you think? My big thing is, is do you it? have six to 12 months reserves post-closing? Hmm. Can you, can you comfortably afford the monthly payment? Do you plan to stay in the home or keep the home for at least three to five years? If the answer is yes to all of those questions, I think it's a good time to buy. Yeah. And let's just see what the market's doing at that time. I think what we saw last spring is going to be a total, just absolute anomaly that we'll never see again, crossing our fingers, hopefully. <laughs> I really hope we don't have to see that again. So really, in a normal market, it's you're, I, don't, I don't think you're ever going to have to worry about what happened to the lady where she had to foreclose because 
for the most part, we're going to see a couple percent appreciation. Yeah. Right. And then worst case scenario, the thing is, is that let's say you, something happened, which this lady, I guess she was a little stubborn and didn't want to go this route, but you can always rent your house out. That's what people yeah, forget. You don't, right. if you can't make the mortgage payments, get out of there, go move back home or go with a family member and just rent it out. Yeah. And they'll pay it down for you. So now you got an investment property at the least, right? Yeah. The worst thing you can do is not make those payments. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's the hardest part. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. And and one thing that, you know, I, I was listening to Dave Ramsey and uh, Ramsey and Bigger Pockets today in preparation yeah. for my Ryan time. <laughs> and uh, one thing that I think is really important for people is you have to be really careful about buying a house with people you're not married to. You know, yes. I have a pretty much hard rule on all of my advice to friends or family members that I know yes. to just not do it. Pretty and much. If you are going to do it, like uh, the best way to do it, obviously, is that both of you or one of you can afford it on your own. Mm-hmm. Right. Like do not buy something that you're combining incomes on with somebody you're dating. A hundred percent. Or temporary with. Yeah. And I don't know that that was this lady's story, but that just made me think of there's many people out there who do that. I know people who have done it before. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, what an L to take. Right. You right. Know? I mean, it's like you're just in lust. Not necessarily in love, and then all of a sudden you've got this huge financial asset. Yeah, that you don't, you can't pay for it, right? It's wild. Yeah, it is. I get so shook seeing people on like social media and stuff. I'm like, I don't even want to. I don't even like it. Like, I yeah, just can like, I congratulate I'm you. I'm like, can or, I dislike this yeah. post? You know like, what I mean? Should I feel like? Should I be scared for you? Or yeah. what do we do at this point? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just so strange. I know. And I'm like, that's your boyfriend, and you guys are on a a mortgage together. Yeah, like if you're at least renting a property, you can like break the lease for you know a couple thousand dollars and just like right. wipe your hands. But yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, with a house, it doesn't necessarily work that easily. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but you can always find you can always find roommates. It's it's very easily done. Let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. There's so many different options. Right, and that comes back to kind right. of the capitalistic problem solving, right? right. Of thinking exactly. Of creative ways uh, that you can kind of get yourself ahead or, or get out of the problems that you're currently facing. Yep. Um, but then also, so one thing I, I really like Dave Ramsey and other people on the internet will say say something between twenty five or thirty percent, like. What do you think about uh, kind of monthly house payment, you know, mm-hmm. mortgage payment? Like what should people be aiming for percentage wise of their income? I like the 25 to 30% um, range, but yeah. it's also, that's, that's very specific. Are you planning on getting, um, are you planning on getting a raise soon? Mm-hmm. Right? Like what is your, what does your income look like? Because once again, are we going to miss out on an opportunity because maybe we're too, because we've got those reserves, we're good there. Like worst case scenario, we've yeah. got. I like. I like looking at how much money do we have left over post closing, rather than necessarily a percentage. Because most people are going to get a are going to get a year over year pay increase. It's just the cost of living right now, mm-hmm. for the most part. On average, right now, ADP said nine percent. Yeah. Right. And so, if we're factoring that in, and also factoring in the fact that you're probably not going to be in this payment for no longer than sixteen months as of today, because the rates are going to come back down, then what does that look like, right? Maybe do we want to push 40 to 45% because you've saved a bunch of money, but we're only putting 5% down, right? Right. You've got that, you've got that nest egg to help you out with. I like looking at the whole financial picture rather than what's the percentage of the payment of your guys' monthly housing expense. Yeah. Right. Or sorry, percentage payment of your income. Yeah. And so that's the, I think that's the big thing that I luckily have access to when we're asking questions and you're filling out an application, I can see that big picture and I can ask the tough, tough questions like, Nathan, do you, are you really comfortable with this? And what does our liquidity look post-closing? Because a lot of people are like, I've saved up 80 grand. I want to put 80 grand to the house. Right. Right. And I sometimes yeah. have to be devil's advocate and say, are you sure you want, like, why are you thinking that way? And yeah. get them to rethink that maybe... 40, 40 grand and down payment will be about 200 $250 a month in monthly payment. Yeah. Is that better to have that money left over right. than to put that into the house and have yeah, $250 less? Yeah, we talked about less? this a ton because mm-hmm. of the VA loan. You right. know, we were going back and forth. Like, right. is it better to put something down? And I'm like, why spend it when you can keep it right. and do other things with it? You know right. what I mean? It's just important. Buy a house that you can force equity into with a higher monthly payment, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I get nervous about that with some family and friends who I see like will buy a house and it's like, it's like all of their savings. Yeah. And it's like one, one, I think with my other thing that I'd like to add into, cause I do kind of like the, the baby steps from Ramsey 
is if you haven't shown if I have somebody that's coming to me in their early twenties or something like that, and they're like they haven't shown any like inclination towards also like investing mm-hmm. or saving in any other way, I'm like you definitely at least shouldn't be stretching yourself. No, for a mortgage. No, if you have no concept of that, like mm-hmm. this cannot be. If this is not like if you're not house hacking this or doing something additional to make this more of a valuable decision, right. you can't just go high budget house and yeah, then nothing else because you want a really nice house, right? Yeah. And I think to that point, it's 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 good to have a strategy conversation with somebody like me on the early end, so you can see the numbers and then practice making that payment. Yep. Like what I yeah, mean by exactly. that is if like let's say you're gonna go from a twenty five hundred dollar rent to a thirty five hundred dollar uh, mortgage payment. Practice paying yourself an extra thousand dollars a month. How yep. does that feel? Can you stomach that? Is that easy or is it hard? Right? You get used yeah. to it before you make the really tough decision <laughs> of such, signing the so document. Yeah. Right? It's just it's a good way to practice. Because again, just like investing in downtimes, right? All that shit sounds good when everything's fine and you're right. like, oh yeah, what's five hundred more dollars a month or whatever? But it's like, dog, that when yeah. you have to live tight, when you have to go from living comfortably to living tight. It's quite the shift. It is quite the shift. You like know? you can your 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 lifestyle and your demeanor changes sometimes. Yeah. Like and if you're married, you have to be on the same page of like, you know, even once we started buying the house and now we have the baby coming and it's like, well, we have to continue investing, right? Like Emily doesn't have the same prioritization of that. Yeah. Of like investing in the stock market and making our moves and you know right. in the house and stuff. Um, there's certain things that for sure, but other things, like if I chose to stop, like she'd be like, okay, great. You know, exactly. And it's like, you have to be on the same page of like this, yeah. this is out of the budget. Like this is not optional money to touch, right? Mm-hmm. Like we might decrease it for a few months, but like, this is not like mm-hmm. indefinitely just pause. Like we're yeah. just not putting uh, yeah. money. Right. Exactly. Because then you future. see that compounding interest go away and it's, yeah. yeah. And you lose it, especially when you're young. You know what I mean? I mean, it matters the whole time, but mm-hmm. especially when you have time on your side, you want to take advantage of that. And so yep. that's why I think people getting, especially when they're young and they're not investing, like getting into a high monthly payment, tough. Really tough. I mean, it's tough. I mean, that real estate asset will create wealth for you down the road. Yeah. But being able to do both, diversify, Right. Is amazing. Yeah. Like it, not putting all of your eggs in one basket is is very, very important. I like I like being concentrated, di- concentrated and diversified, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like focus on a couple different things that are in different buckets. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like kind of all over the place and then it's like, okay, what are we what are we really focusing sure. on here? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of that, so I think that's that's such an interesting thing that people I feel like sometimes think about but oftentimes don't is like if you pay your house off right in 30 years, so let's say we stayed in our house, we paid it off in 30 years. Yes, like we obviously are sitting on, I would imagine, a much more <laughs> valuable house yeah. than we had before. Yeah. Um, but you have kind of some tough options when you come to that, right? Like some people don't want to move out of that house. Some people don't want to downsize, right? Mm-hmm. If they're going to stay in the same area. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to take, if that actually is going to be wealth created, you yeah. can't just take that money, move it to a different house and, you know, Right. Make 100K off it, right? Like, I need right. that million dollar profit. So, I right. might have to move into quite a small downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, but along those lines, with that, uh, what are your thoughts on? Because I know this is debated a lot of times, the Ramsey and other people, on paying off a mortgage. So, yeah. you know, there's like the tax advantages and stuff of having, I don't fully understand that stuff. I know you know a lot more yeah. about it than I do. But what do you, I know there's some people out there who are like, yeah, you just refinance kind of like indefinitely. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's a great question. I'm not a huge fan of paying off the mortgage quicker than the actual 30 year term for Mm. sure. Cause let's say you're like, Hey, I want to go put an extra $500 towards my mortgage every month. Yeah. And let's compare that to an average 7% return in a stock market over 30 years, or let's say 23. Cause that's typically if you put, you know, on an, on a mortgage payment around three grand right now, an extra $500, you're going to be taking off about seven years off your loan, which is a, which sounds amazing. Yeah. Right. But if you go that route, you now, if you put that into the stock market, 7% return, you will now have as much in the stock market as is left on that mortgage at that time, at that 23 year mark. Mm. Then you can do one of two things. You can keep paying that mortgage. You can, you can decide, or you can take that money and pay off your mortgage. What's, I mean, to me, like keep that money building on top of itself. Right. Right. And like you said, is you get the tax benefits of a mortgage, which is great. And then after that 30 year time, I think it's great to be mortgage free. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see a ton of benefit of like taking money out and paying interest on that money necessarily. Uh, when you get older, you can do a reverse mortgage where they pay you. Really? Yeah. 
that's a great option, I think, like, especially when you're older. And the goal is, of course, to maybe have a portfolio that you can just leverage and get cash flow there. And then maybe your current primary residence is something you pass down to family or something, right? Yeah. But let's say in the event, maybe you didn't and you've got your mortgage paid off. And as long as you're of retirement age and your mortgage is paid off, you can go ahead and do a reverse mortgage where they pay you either lump sums or money every month. And it's, you know, so if you're collecting money from the stock market and dividends, you're getting social security and you got this reverse mortgage, it's a great option. Yeah, yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And so going back to what you said before about people coming to you or somebody like you when they're kind of getting started, mm-hmm. do you think that's the best first step? So if somebody's looking to buy a house, who do you recommend they go to first? You know, it's funny. Everybody think like, go buy a house. I'm going to go, you know, talk to a realtor, like yeah, realtor sure. house, right? And it's funny because we talk about the biggest, really the biggest purchase or like loan and payment you're ever going to have. Yet, I feel like that process is sometimes so rushed with people. Yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of backwards. It's like, I'm going to, I'm about to lend you $500,000 and this could dramatically impact the rest of your life. Right. Yet you want to do this in two hours before you make an offer on a house. And so it's funny, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, and so it's, it's just That's funny how nuts. we have that thought. Right. So yeah. it's always, I think like, it's always great to let's do this slowly. Yeah. So we're making sure that we see this in a wide lens. You're able to sleep on the numbers multiple nights, not just one. <laughs> right. <laughs> And we're able to talk about strategy. Yeah. Because I think that's the hardest part for people is that they just say, go buy a house. It's a loan. There's no strategy around it. Right. And that's the thing for you is like you were already talking about your investments in the future and using VA versus conventional. And we get to have those conversations because you were well planned. And we came in. You were, I think you were the only person in 2022 that actually came into the office, by the way, to do that. Really? Everybody did via Zoom. So no way. Props to you on that. We had a great time. We did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's always good to just get that strategy in place and then you know exactly what you can do. And then maybe it's like, hey, I thought I could buy in six months or that's when I wanted to buy. And then you can buy sooner. Right. Right. Because I think that's sometimes very eye-opening for people too is is the hardest part about starting the home buying process is starting the home buying process. Yeah. After that, it's really, I mean, you could probably talk a little bit more about that, but it's it's really a lot more difficult and, and just... Because it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And then it's like, oh, I just need your pay stubs and your bank statement, and then we'll t- talk about numbers. Right, right yeah. So um, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just just being well-prepared ahead of time, and that starts with me. Yeah. I think it's just finding somebody that you can trust that can help walk you through it is yeah. huge, right? Yeah. And then just taking things. It's like anything in life where you have to just sit down, you know, make time for it, and just, like, figure it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I remember – this goes back to the whole thing, right? Of I remember how hard it was to – you know, it was a grind, right? I mean, I think I went inside 45 houses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember one weekend, uh, Lisa, your realtor yeah. was like, these guys are committed. She's like, <laughs> yeah. they're the most committed clients I've ever met. Dude, they're like, Nathan is after. out there looking at 15 houses in one day. I'm like, I don't even know how that's physically possible, but <laughs> we good for him. Everywhere. <laughs> My mom came to visit. It was like Memorial Day weekend, and it was like all we did. I was just like, we're just going to see a lot of houses. Mom, are you cool with riding in the car with me all day? That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I had like mapped out. every. It was like every weekend I was just mapping out between yeah. open houses and then time with Lisa when she could take us. Yeah. And it was crazy, man. I talked to Lisa like every day for four months, um, but she's amazing. So we had a great time. But just understanding that exactly what you said this is a huge deal this is gonna be a huge setup you know huge advance mm-hmm. god willing on our family right? right and in our future and so it's like yeah so this is gonna take a lot of time and when you think about how much money you can make that's what always makes it easier for me if i think about how much money if i think about how much money i make currently mm-hmm. right and i try to get like my hourly rate right of right. like what i make yeah yeah i think about my whole income for the year and then you think about okay I got that. And then it's like, this could possibly make me X amount of money and it's going to take me this much work. And obviously there's a lot more work of keeping up the house, sure. managing contracts, all that stuff. But right. still, if you can break it down to like, this is generally per hour what I'm making right now, even though you can't see it, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I'm telling you, It's dude. often more than you make uh, yes. at your job. A hundred percent at the end of the day, right? And I think that's the difference um, just to talk about financial literacy. Like that's just a passive income stream. You're right. not doing anything right now, and you're making money. Yeah, at really, at the, I mean, at the root of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, and that, that's a, such a cool thing that real estate provides for people. And and as the rent increases, as it usually will, you're only going to make more and more money, and your and your and your payments only going to go down from here. Right. So yeah, it's huge. And so then, when people come to you first, do you yep. typically? 
I know you're partnered with different like realtors and stuff like that. Like, do yeah. you show them different realtors that they could work with, or how do you, how does that kind of next percent. step go? A hundred percent. I mean, if from from there, it's like, do you know a realtor? Great. If not, I know I know an amazing realtor that I think would be a great fit. Right, that might yeah. be great in that neighborhood, or they were a friend of yours, so I would look to go back to Lisa, right, or something along those lines. But really, from there, I think it's it's plan strategy, and then that way we can go back to the realtor and say, hey, we've covered all of our bases. Now let's go look for the house. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of the times that works backwards. It's like go look for the house. Now look at financing, and then it's it's really tough. And then sure. and unfortunately, a lot of lenders are order takers, and they don't go through the process that I might take in and advising them through their options. Where they they may go like maybe you had your desired down payment of ten percent and they're like okay great yeah here's your loan for ten percent what they failed to show them is like hey what if we kept this money we did five percent down let's look at refinancing so your payment's actually going to get here in less time than you think and now you've got liquidity post closing right that's an advisor and so yeah. that's where that's where it really differs and a lot of people unfortunately don't take that time and if you don't. If you're trying to make an offer right away, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of time to even go through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, which is just so important. Yeah. And then for you guys as mortgage lenders, are you guys limited to Colorado or specific states, or how does that work as well? Yeah, so as some mortgage lenders are, are in all 50 states, we tend to be a little bit more concentrate, concentrated. Until this year, I was actually just in Colorado, but I've branched out to Florida, Texas, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of people like second houses there, it sounds like. So I decided to get myself <laughs> in nice the warmer spot. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. More freedom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. amazing. Yep. That's very good. That's awesome, man. And then obviously people go out there and then they get approved by you, which I think is always the best place, right? To get approved by a lender before you start shopping, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but then another thing we talked about too uh, is a lot of times, and I don't know what your role is in this, but mm -hmm. you get approved for a ton of money. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a lot more than you probably yeah. want. Yeah, can you say day. a little bit about why that is and then what people can do, like how you kind of navigate that? Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's a lot of the times, like we did initially, right? It's a discovery call and it's and it's talking, we talk about two different things. It's what's your desired price point and what's your desired monthly payment. And sometimes we work backwards from, okay, where are we comfortable with the monthly payment? Right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are like, well, I just want to know what I want, to, what I can be approved for, and then I'm gonna go buy a house. Yeah. Because you sent us, I remember you sent us the first budget, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is what we were approved for. So we were only looking up to that amount, remember? right? And that was when that was when we all we both really fell in love with you because we were like, he didn't even show us what we were actually approved for, <laughs> you know? Which right. is what you would imagine like yeah. the bad ones probably do is yeah. lean as high on that as they possibly can, right? Versus trying to get where you actually are comfortable being. Um, but they, I remember we talked on the phone one day and I was like, I was like, man, so I was like, so this is, this is as high as we can go. Right. And this is when I was thinking about making the transition yeah. and kind of doing more yeah. with the first house. And you were like, Oh no, <laughs> you no, were like, no, 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 you were approved no. for like double that. Yeah. And I, was I was like, like yeah, what? yeah. Let me go ahead and show you what you really approve yeah. for. And it's, it's wild because I think unfortunately lending guidelines, even though they're a lot more strict than 0809. Uh, they're still pretty loose, you know, like a VA loan. I can get somebody approved for a mortgage payment that's 58% of their gross monthly income. That's before taxes. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, if I do that, you're eating ramen. Yeah. I think I calculated yeah. that last year I paid 24% Yeah. in taxes. Yeah. So there, there you go. So 58 plus 24, right? That's not, uh, yeah. that's, there's not a lot of percent left over. No. Yeah. And the 18% you're living on. Yeah. yeah. Is that what it is? That's good math. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I use a calculator <laughs> all day. I love it. <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's crazy, man. 82%. Can you imagine that? Yeah. 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 So that's, and that's the thing is like, so a lot of the times it's me listening to what your goals are. Right. Yeah. And it's me understanding um, where you guys are comfortable have you had that conversation, which you guys did, which was great. But a lot of times people are like, not really. Let's just see what we can qualify for and go from there. And then right. we're working backwards into, okay, here's the payment that you're comfortable with. Here's the house that you're approved for. Now, where do we land in between yeah. there? Or, you know, maybe we probably end up flying closer to that monthly payment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. It's, it's wild. It really is. Yeah. And then you can see, yeah, why people would... I mean, when you start house hunting, especially in an expensive market like Denver, mm -hmm. how tempting it is. Because that was kind of like our struggle. That was part of the reason why we got to that point, right? It was just like, 
I mean, houses that where we were first kind of starting with, it was like, these kind of suck. They're in a, a town that we don't want to really live in. Right. And it's kind of like, well, what do we do here? And so that's when I had to get creative. Um, and, and yeah, we went kind of a different way, but yeah, it's just wild, man. How like emotional you can start to get. And it's like, I had to like constantly remind Emily and, and myself to be like, this, that's, that's a half a million dollar house. <laughs> right. We just walked out of and said something. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That was a half a million dollar asset. Yeah. Like, eh, actually probably not what I wanted to and do. You got to understand if you're a half a million dollar person, you know what I mean? It's right. like, <laughs> cause if you're walking out of half a million dollar houses and you're like, Oh, that was, some, that was some shit. And then you go and you're like, uh, you know, you might just you might not be a Denver guy. <laughs> That's, That's true. I had to come to reality. Honestly, like, though, we might not be Denver people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or we have to be willing to settle for a small house or Aurora people. Right, and you guys are in the yeah. burbs, so that's it. <laughs> exactly. That's what you guys settled on. You make it work. But yeah, awesome, man. So then you get approved, you're house hunting, you're mm-hmm. doing the thing, you're with the mm-hmm. realtor, and then what is kind of your role after a house is... Well, you guys find a house, yeah. right? And 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 hopefully we've had all of the preemptive conversations that we need to have and making sure you're comfortable with the payment. So it's just like, hey, Ryan, I found a house that I want to make an offer on. Can you run the numbers for me? And maybe we're still mulling over some different down payment options. Um, you know, there's, there's different mortgage insurance options for different um, loan programs. So a lot of it's yep. just like, hey, we're comfortable now. Okay, great. Let's go make the offer. Because the worst thing we can do is maybe a home in Commerce City that has $600 taxes, now your payment goes up $400 and you're like, uh, that's not what I really was hoping for and yeah. I'm under contract, so what do I do now? Right, and so it's a lot of that. And tax percentages often don't decrease. No, unfortunately not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they definitely go up here in Colorado. Yep. They're not as bad as Texas, so that's good, yeah. but we have state income tax, so yeah. that's the hard part there. Um, but basically from there is where I really take take over. Once the realtor is there to get you under contract, and once you're under contract, I'm there to get you to the closing table. Yeah. So we do all the fun stuff, appraisal, you're getting an inspection. That first week was pretty, it was like a lot, right? It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. Like not only are you working. Then but I was talking you, to you and Lisa every day. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's where we really became best friends. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's when we got a lot of yeah. QT. Yeah. <laughs> Quality time, baby. Um and, and so that process is, we do a lot of that process. You're not going to see a lot of it. I'm sure you remember yeah. that. There's a lot of what we do to make sure the title's clean. You're not getting a house with somebody that's, you know, didn't pay a, you know, a contractor 50 grand and now you have to take that over, right? So that's what the title company's there yeah. for. Appraiser goes out and make sure that the property is actually worth what you're paying for it. Or maybe in your case, maybe the property is actually worth a little bit more. Luckily, the seller never finds that out. So the seller, right. they're happy that they sold now, their Now, they house. would often get it appraised before listing it, though, right? You or, know, not usually. Really? Yeah. Most realtors, like what if you were to ever sell your house, Lisa would come in and say, hey, here's your neighborhood. Here's what houses have sold for in this neighborhood. Here's what I think your house could sell for. Yeah. Gotcha. So appraisers, yeah. re- appraisers often just work for buyers. Yeah. Appraisers usually for lenders, right? For and yeah. so they so they get the value. They're really here to us to make sure that we're lending on a property that's of the right value at the end of the day. Yeah. And then that makes a difference too when it comes to uh cash to close. Right. Right. Whether right. or not you're appraising under or over. Right, exactly. So if it appraises under, unfortunately, you have to make up that difference between what it appraised for and what you're purchasing it at. So if you're buying it at five hundred and it came in at four eighty, now you have to do five percent off of four eighty. So that's five percent down off of four eighty and that twenty thousand dollar gap. Right. Luckily it doesn't happen too much. But yeah. Yeah. Because so, that's big. That's big. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of money. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, but then from, you have people who are, I mean, in that time, like you talked about last spring, when people are offering 100k over, like that's just straight you. You can't get the loan for that. I mean, so you can right? if it appraises there, which sometimes right. it did, but a lot of people were putting in appraisal gaps that said if it appraised in between the list price and how much over we offered, we'll go ahead and make up that difference. Right. And so yeah. that's where a lot of people were just emotionally buying because they had to, yeah, you know, because they, they were moving from California. I was so glad we didn't have to do the gap. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad, <laughs> yeah. so glad for you guys. Yeah. That was, and it might come back. Yeah. I think it's kind of, it already kind of is a little bit. It's wild. I know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, from there it's, it's, I like to say it's a very smooth process on our end. It's really, there's, there's, we do all the hard work up front. So then when you go under contract, it's uh, get a pay stub, maybe updated pay stub, and then get you to the closing table and let's celebrate. I think I brought probably a bottle of champagne for you, and I yeah. just said, like, go spray it on the walls or something. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And you yeah. sign. 
a thousand documents. That's what I remember. From yes, you, yes, yeah. I don't. You sign yeah, a thousand yeah, documents. Yeah. yeah, that's um, that's part of the getting you ready for closing is do your hand workouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Like you know those what are those old like little squeezer things? <laughs> yeah, the, the spring. Little, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad always had one of those. Yeah, exactly. Very like, strong hands. You know what those remind me of is um, when you're working out and you're trying to put the the clips on the oh on the yeah yeah, yeah you exactly. can just use that all the time to get yeah. you ready. You'd yeah. be so good at that. Yeah, never struggle. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Well, awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a great overview of kind of the process, and, and I really appreciate you giving kind of the insight on good times, bad times. Yeah. Even got you to, to say that there's a bad time. You know, um, to buy a house. I think I blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> we won't put that on Instagram. <laughs> For sure, we'll leave that one off. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, it's great to yeah. see all the stuff you're doing, too, on social media. I Thank think you. I appreciate cool. that. And yeah. ditto to you, too. You're crushing it. It's Thank been fun you. to follow you. Yeah. And once again, I just enjoy what you put up because it's – Awesome. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, super cool, man. It's yeah. been fun. Yeah, love sharing your videos and stuff because I think it's so good for people to see that kind of bite-sized insight into yeah. what all is happening, right? And just to have a calming voice for people to be like, yo, calm down. You know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. These are the pros and cons of this time, right? Yeah. And people have to make a decision. But I appreciate right. you uh, being a voice out there. For well, thank that. you. That's I really appreciate good. you having me. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for joining today, man. I yeah. look forward. I think, I think you merited a, a second episode. Someday. All right. I like it. My first <laughs> podcast went not too shabby. We'll That's take great. It. <laughs> great work today. Yeah. And hope everybody that, uh, tuned in today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and highly encourage you to go follow Ryan. Obviously we'll have all that linked below. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope this gives you some encouragement to, uh, one, not be a socialist Two, if you haven't bought a house, heavily consider it yep. and three to figure out some ways and be more intentional in your own personal finance and uh, decision-making for your financial future. So continue to fight hard to be your best and God bless. God bless.